Hey, Anna. Hey, Mike. I got a surprise for you. What's that? Well, I have set up a Patreon page for A Dog's Life. What's that then? Well, Patreon is like a crowdfunding thing, so people who love the show can support us, and it's called A Dog's Life Club. A club? I like the idea of being a club, like a private members club. Well, yes, it's not quite that fancy, but it's, you know, step one to getting there. So there's two tiers. For only £4 a month, you can be an official patron on Tier 1. And if you love A Dog's Life, and I'm guessing you do, or you wouldn't be listening to this now, and you want to help to support us, that's what you can do for just £1 a week. That's one pound per episode. That's that's less than coffee, less than a newspaper. Or you can join tier two, which is top dog. Top dog. <laughs> and with that, for 10 pounds a month, you will get access to all sorts of bonus content. You know that talk you did at the Natural Health Show during the summer? And people have been asking to hear that. Well, if you join Patreon, you will be able to hear that full talk. We'll do some hot takes on some breaking news, all that kind of stuff you do at Jeremy Vine. But the best bit, is your training course. I know, yes. So, you know, my top tips on various things, isn't it, Mike? Like walking to heel or training your dog to go into uh, their bed on command or a number of all sorts of other things, including even training your dog to walk backwards. Exactly. So once a month, people will get a new lesson to help train their dogs. So, Mike, hang on, though. What if people can't afford to do the Patreon or might not feel it's relevant for them, but they still want to listen to a dog's life? Is it still free? You can still listen to it for free every Sunday on Apple or Spotify or even YouTube now, just like you've been doing now. You don't have to pay. You can follow us and subscribe for free and keep it as it is if that's what you like. But if you'd like to help support us and keep us going, join Patreon. Just go to patreon.com slash a dog's life, or you can find the links in the show notes. The link is always in the show notes. Hey, Mr. Binks, guess what? You're right. It is almost that time of year, Christmas. That's when Santa Paws brings you doggos and their pet parents resins. So that's why we're about to zoom around Zoom to talk to several companies about what goodies they have this year to put in your Christmas stocking. I'm Anna Webb. Welcome to A Dog's Life. Lee Sargent, welcome to our stocking filler episode of A Dog's Life. Hello, Anna. So, Lee, you've actually been very busy today at Nebworth at a, a big Christmas gifting show, showcasing, right. of course, Sniff and Lick It. How is that? Absolutely. I'm, I'm just defrosting at the moment, actually, because eight hours standing in a, in a somewhat damp and freezing cold marquee is uh, challenging. But it's lovely to meet so many owners and a few dogs um, and talk to people about what they can buy their dogs for Christmas this year. It's great fun. Well, yes. Well, it's great that people are thinking about buying. But the thing is, I think with dog lovers and dog owners, they are going to gift their last tenor, I think. You know what I mean? On their yes. dog, because it's the psychology of it. But um, explain to everyone, why is Sniff and Lick It a one stop for stocking fillers and not just for the dog? Well, the first thing is that the product categories that we're in, so things that make your dog sort of look, feel and smell amazing, they're useful for any dog. Um, and that's great for people who are perhaps buying for the dog owners in their life, as well as those buying for their own dogs. 
So everybody can make use of a shampoo or a pore balm or some wipes or something for the car or something for the home that smells nice and keeps, as we say, hounds, homes and humans in harmony. Um, so it's great to be able to sort of showcase what we've got um, and help people buy well, because we're, a, you know, we believe very firmly in recycling and sustainability and natural ingredients. So the last thing we want to see is lots of sort of plastic, nasty stuff go into dogs stockings this year when when it could be nice stuff instead that's actually practical and useful. Yes, I think practical and useful and, you know, helping to prove value for money as well. But Lee, on the natural front, you know, what would you say is one of the most common misnomers with many naturally labelled grooming products? Well, I, I think you've really got to look behind. Uh, I turn the, the bottle of pack around and, and really interrogate what's there. And if, and if there is someone... Um, standing behind their product, as we always do, they should be able to answer you know, fundamental questions about what's in it. And, and we we believe very firmly in this. So, for example, our, our fragrance, and we, we very much built this business around fragrance, um, is made with 100% natural essential oils. And that's because a dog's sniff system is so advanced. You know, There's no way you're going to fool a dog. And what drives us crazy is things like, baby powder or coconut or i've even seen strawberry cheesecake and blueberry muffin you know these may smell um familiar to human noses but there's no way a dog is going to be smelling small strawberry cheesecake out of something which is constructed from from chemicals so uh when you're in the natural world you really got to think about well wh- what is this derived from um, and actually also, are these things safe for my pet? Not not just necessarily dogs. So we've made sure that everything that we use is safe safe for cats as well, because lots of homes have both dogs and cats. Um, and in doing all the, the research, because we went right back to the drawing board on, on creating all these products, we discovered some really interesting things about reed diffusers and candles and homes that have maybe um, fish tank aquariums um, have to be super cautious of what's going into the air um, plug-in diffusers can be really annoying to dogs if they're left on all the time um, so the yeah na- natural is is generally good but you do have to be uh, cautious of exactly what it is and how dog friendly that is yeah no I couldn't agree more you know these volatile organic compounds go straight up a dog's nose because dogs sniff yeah. the floor and then yeah. they you know end up in dog's lungs and um and often actually your indoor environment is actually more toxic than the outdoor environment that's right and of course when we you know when we clean a bathroom or a kitchen or, or a carpet and think oh you know lovely you know fresh linen or lemons or, or what have you um a your dog is is experiencing that up to 100,000 times more powerfully than you are. And B, the dumb instruments sort of in the middle of our faces are are nowhere near as advanced as what a dog has. So it it can fool us in thinking it's lemon fresh, but actually it's possible that your dog is actually becoming quite anxious by the presence of lots of chemicals, um, which are not in their natural habitat and don't wire back to their sort of wolf brain origins as being something that is should be in their environment yeah well that's what you have isn't it lee in in the sniff and lick it range you know your signature scent is very much all about earth and it's very natural and about scents that dogs would smell in the woods for example that that's right it's we, we describe it as woody and grassy um if we were perfumiers um we would describe it as fougere 
which I think I'm correcting saying is sort of a, a, a more or less fancy word for foresty. <laughs> um, and of course, that, when we discovered that that was what would be appealing to dogs, we were really delighted because it turns out that is also one of the most um, long-standing and, and powerfully attractive scents to humans as well. So this combination of sort of woody undertones with grassy, uplifted characters is what goes into an awful lot of aftershaves and perfumes and has done for centuries because it's just so appealing. Um, but it turns out that's actually what dogs love as well, uh, which is, of course, where we started. What does your dog need? What does your dog want to smell like? Mm. Um, so, so no surprise it's woody and grassy because we all know as dog owners, that's exactly where dogs love to be. You know, they love to be sniffing around with their tails wagging high in, in high grasses or exploring a you know a damp forest floor that that's that's their natural environment and and that can actually help keep them calm when they're in an unnatural environment yeah no absolutely and that's where you know all of your products really are fabulous to kind of waft this aroma in the home but a product i i'm particularly fond of actually is called no rinse charming because it it features something i've 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 always sort of waxed lyrical about really called dimatisius earth yes <laughs> um or fuller's earth but it, i think this is a product that could really help you know in the credit crunch time um, yeah. in saving your hot water bill well well that's right so the great thing about this and, and we actually developed it because i'm a i'm a foster dad um for rescue dogs i've had lots of dogs um in the last two three years and most of them are terrified of the bath or being washed it's quite an intimate thing for a dog um, and coming from the beauty and personal care industry you know a long time ago we solved how do you wash your hair without water and so we came at it with that perspective. Like, how do I get my dog clean without the hassle of getting them in the bath? And it's a hassle for both owners and dogs. And most owners don't understand how to make that experience a little bit less terrifying for their dog. And there's lots of hints about how to do that on our blog, on our website. But we thought that there's no reason why we couldn't develop a dry shampoo um, for dogs. And this would be both a very convenient product in terms of you could use it literally if you're taking your dog out to a nice hotel or going to go into a, a taxi or a restaurant, you know, you could give your dog a quick spruce up um, without all the rigmarole of, of washing and drying. Um, and then for those dogs that are not great in the bath or for those owners that are not great at bathing, this is a fantastically convenient way of getting your dog clean um, without all of those problems arising. So we started with actually convenience, but then along the way we discovered that we could make this product with organic powders and it's quite a, a combination of things, including um, the one that you mentioned that I actually can never pronounce. So I'm not going to attempt <laughs> it now. I call it Multani Mitty Clay um, <laughs> and, um, and there's oat, oat and root and, and all sorts of other things in there as well. Um, but yeah, I mean, basically cleaning your dog in this way has many benefits. First of all, from a sort of, you know, pure cost of living and energy point of view, you're not using hot water. You're not flushing detergents down the drain. You're not needing to dry them with a towel, which then has to be laundered. Um, so there, there's lots of sort of, um, environment and economic benefits that way. Um, but you're also just sort of doing it in a really kind of friendly, quick manner. Um, and we think that that will all help everybody kind of, stay clean and fresh in, a, in an easy way 
Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And it's got the same signature scent, though, hasn't it? Woodland Wonderfur in the yes. no rinse. So, I mean, over the summer, I was using it as a bit of a kind of inverticomus flea powder, actually, because that's another thing. The cedar wood, which is one of the essential oils, is quite anti-flea. So, you know, an anti-bug in its odour. So that's another little add-on benefit, really. That's right. As is um, the fact that it's an extremely fine powder um, and uh, we make almost everything in the UK. We, we import a few things where we need componentry, but we try as, as much as possible to make everything locally. And there's a, a firm in, in Peterborough who make this uh, with us and um, they've developed some some technology to get oils to cooperate with powders, which, as you can imagine, isn't a very easy thing because the oils make the powders damp. Um but they mill it to an exceptionally fine standard. And that is also a natural way of keeping bugs and ticks and fleas um, away from your dog. Absolutely. And that's the Dimatisius earth, you see. Um, you know, you could use Dimatisius earth, but it's much better to use the no rinse charming from sniff and lick it. So, and that would fit so beautifully into a stocking because I just love all the packaging and everything and, and no rinse charming. It's It just comes in a a little flask-shaped container, doesn't it, Lee, that would just fit into a stocking seamlessly? It does, or, or even a handbag or a little on-the-go pooch bag if you have one. Um, so we always imagine that you'd be able to sort of do a quick sprinkle uh, on, into your dog's coat and fur and, and skin and, and give them a little clean-up with, without the hassle of getting them wet and dry again. Um, our packaging is all um, aluminium, um, which is great from a recoverability in the recycling system point of view. Um, and makes it very light as well so yeah it's it's um, we try to design everything um with ease and efficacy um and sustainability in mind because there's nothing worse or i i believe there's no worse waste than a product that doesn't work properly so the first thing has to be um formulas that really really deliver and then we've put them um as much as we possibly can into the most sustainable options um and that happens to be light and easy to use um so what, what used to drive me crazy as a dog owner was the kind of the wet shampoos that come with a pump um because <laughs> when you've got an anxious wet dog in the bath and you sort of have to let go or or um, pay attention to holding a, a pump uh, with, with two hands of course i've had the experience of the dog then using that as the perfect opportunity to escape um, yeah. <laughs> and exactly. of course they know right they know that that's the perfect time to jump on your freshly made bed um exactly. and roll around so you know our, our shampoo you can actually use with one hand so that you can keep your um, other hand free for reassuring your dog or keeping them calm or holding them steady in the bath yeah no it's all been designed so thoughtfully um lee you know and there's Poor wipes called whippets, which I find very amusing, that are invaluable, particularly in the winter weather, really, because of mud, dreaded old mud. It's really worth checking out. Um, what's the website, Lee? It's uh, Sniff and Lick It. So I best spell that. Um, it's S-N-I-F-F-E-A-N-D-L-I-K-K-I-T dot com. Um, you can find us through um, search engines as well. Um, and at our uh, website, there's lots of advice on keeping your hound and home in, in harmony with um, lots of tips on how to bathe the dog and what to look for with natural ingredients. And, and not, we, we, believe in be, we believe in being very transparent with what's in our products. So you'll see more about the oils and the formulas there as well. 
It's brilliant. Well, thank you. And Lee, hey, Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas, Anna. Hey, Mike. Hey, Anna. I enjoyed that chat with Lee from Sniffer Lickit, and I'm looking forward to get some stuff for Billy because it's because it's winter and the heath is very, very muddy. He's having a lot more baths than normal, so he needs more shampoo, don't you, Bill? Yes, I must say, I love their Whippet because they're just great for wiping mud off paws, and it's not so harsh like just using, you know, a towel and, and warm water because it's got all the lovely aromatherapeutic essential oils in it too, so it moistens the paw pads. And I also wanted to chat to you because that was something I was going to do for Patreon, but because it's, I think, an important subject, I think we should give it away as it's Christmas for free to everyone. And that's to talk about Christmas trees, because it's not something I'd ever thought of. But you flagged this up a couple of weeks ago that Christmas trees can be a hazard for your doggy. Oh, gosh, they really can. I mean, I don't want to sound bar humbug about this, but we I've never had a Christmas tree really in the last 22 years with, you know, my dogs in the last 12 years with Gremlin, my fabulous eight kilo street cat. So, um, yeah, Christmas trees look. If they're real ones, pine needles in the right quantity are toxic. Pine needles can get stuck in your dog's throat and can cause a blockage in the stomach. Tinsel Christmas trees, similar. Just think about it, those sharp spikes. Ooh. Then mm. there's baubles, plastic or glass can be very, very dangerous. And even fabric baubles can get a bit stuck if they're swallowed whole. Chocolate decorations, chocolate, oh, is such a no-no for dogs. Dogs are allergic mm. to the main component of chocolate with it, which is theobromine, and it can cause kidney failure in the right quantity. So none of those gold coin decorations on your trees. Think also about fairy lights. I do know of a dog that did consume the fairy lights. Oh, right. gosh, yes. It was a very expensive and long stomach surgery. The dog did recover, but at a price so there's other things as well like presents under the tree mm. chocolates that are wrapped under the tree a dog can smell them through the wrapping paper and you've got to think of things like wrapping paper if swallowed in the right quantity things like sellotape as well in the right quantity all possible hazards for your dog then you know there's other things that some people put around like the mince pies they're lethal raisins and grapes should be avoided at all costs again mm, in the right yeah. quantity it can mean an emergency vet appointment on christmas day in fact 10 percent of all britain's dogs do spend christmas day at the emergency vet really yeah 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 and it's um, you know it's off hours time so it does cost mm -mm, an awful lot it's gonna be expensive very expensive it is sure to ruin your christmas well then we should just give them toys and not trees that's what i think um, you know, because you've got to remember, Mike, I know it's really disappointing, but um, dogs don't know it's Christmas. That's true. I know that. Yeah. Well, don't, don't tell Colette that. She thinks Billy knows everything. <laughs> yeah. But I know I know that uh, they don't know. It's just more crazy stuff going on for them to, to get worked up about. Exactly. Right, exactly. And the art of Christmas really for dogs is to keep them calm, cool and collected. And for me, the biggest Christmas present is a lovely long walk. Yeah, me too, me too. Well, since we are doing Christmas stuff so the doggies can enjoy it and, and partake, I guess a good thing would be toys, wouldn't it? Absolutely. Look, it's always good to give your dog a toy. You know, I like to think, you know, Christmas can be every day, not just, you know, the 25th of December. And there are so many great toys on the market. Although it's important to think about what sort of toy you're giving what sort of dog. Because different dogs appreciate different kinds of toys. So 
a dog like Prudence and a dog like Billy might really love a ragatoy because they're they're 100 terriers and terriers do mm. love a good game of tug but you know yeah, a dog it. like mr binks that is a bit more humble shy and retiring he's not really into a, a, a game of tug he's more into mouthing a soft toy that ideally doesn't squeak and that's why we've had a chat haven't we mike with the mm. amazing girls from dog ear lou and emma Hi. Hi there. How are you doing? Really good, thanks. They're amazing. And I'm so delighted you've joined for our Christmas special because what I'm hoping to do in this episode, obviously, is highlight a range of gifts because dogs, as we know, don't come in one size. You know, fortunately, probably for the global situation of dogdom, not all dogs are like my Prudence, who loves a toy that she can get her bull terrier jaws into. She is prone to destruction, which is one of her issues relating to anxiety. And many plush toys I would love to buy for her. I know that I'm just literally throwing my money down the drain. So we don't buy those toys for prudence. However, for Mr. Binks, my little 11-year-old English toy terrier, who's had a couple of teeth out, and he's more humble and less gung-ho, he adores your dog ears. So please explain a bit more about the dog ear toy. Yeah, sure. Well, I'll tell you a bit about the dog ear history as well. So me and Lou are two artists based in South End-on-Sea. Um, and during lockdown, obviously, we were still uh, making work um, and we're sculptures by trade and work with text as well. Um, so we came up with this idea, really, uh, to create these playful yeah. dog toy sculptures we, we like to be a bit silly and kind of push, push boundaries as artists do so we asked ourselves what would sculptures look like for dogs yeah. and then we started testing um some of our toys that we got had been ripped and things so we started to sew them together and play with textures and colors and then that led us down a path for about two years of working with dog psychologists dog trainers materials experts to basically work this new toy so the first toy we've got is the franken ball and i think that's the one you've been playing with, with yeah your this is what we've got so they are like a rugby ball aren't they a franken rugby ball you know yeah. oval in shape and and it's exactly what you were saying there, you know, with the textures, because it is important that dogs feel textures, not, you know, underfoot as well as in their mouths. You know, it adds enrichment. And I adore these Frankenballs because, I mean, they are beautifully made. And it's not that they're not robust. It's just that for my own personal dog prudence, it wouldn't last. I mean, I've played a little tug game with Prue with the larger Frankenball, and that works because obviously I play tug totally on my terms. She releases when I ask her to release, <laughs> and it's a tug game. But if I left her to nose it and pour it and fling it in the air and have a laugh with it, it it wouldn't yeah. stand the test of time. Okay, that's just being totally honest. But yeah, she... we we totally understand that. It, it's actually filled with. 
uh, sheep's wool. So the dogs really do want to pull it apart. They love the smell. <laughs> they love the yeah, smell. they love the smell. But that's another aspect, you see, because it's all upcycled fabrics and the, the stuffing is sheep's wool. I mean, wow, how good is that? You know, I'm all about minimising environmental stressors in your life, right? And, of course, you know, a lot of stuffing in these plush toys and everything are, are lethal, utterly yeah, toxic. Plastic. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. We've done the research on that and it is plastic. Yeah. It's one of the biggest polluters of, like, the dog toy industry just uses so much plastic. Shocking. That, and that was at the forefront, really, when we were thinking about making these uh, dog toy sculptures um, was about sustainability and slow making. So, you know, each dog ear Frankenball comes with a publication as well. So something for the humans to read, a bit of brain food for them, too. Um, and it comes in a doggy bag, uh, which is completely compostable and held together uh, by a carabiner and a little dog tag for your yeah, doggo. Which too. is like dog jewellery, essentially. No, I know. <laughs> Oh, when I got that, I was so touched. I mean, it, it, from a gifting perspective, I mean, it's glorious. I'm um, really glorious. You know, I mean, Mr. Binks loves just kind of nosing it and he'll mouth it. And he's he's a great approved. Love, love to do all of that with it. You know, um, it's just I love them so much. I keep them in my fruit bowl. Oh my gosh, that's amazing. I mean, it's really interesting you talk about that because I've got a border collie called Wolf and we, me and Lou were really interested in um, the idea of different toys for different types of play as well. So obviously these Frankenballs with, with Wolf, who's uh, who's got a big gob on her, I'm not going <laughs> to lie, um, we play that kind of tugging as well and she's got a Frankenball that has lasted uh, for a year, um, which is amazing. It's looking amazing. a bit ropey now, It's looking a bit ropey. <laughs> Um, but I love that vibe of keeping it in your fruit bowl. Yeah, well, I mean, look, no, I love them. I mean, they are sculptures. They're they're extraordinary. I can't, just I'm urging everyone, please Google the the Frankenball because it it's a lovely gift and it is sustainable and made by proper artists in <laughs> yeah. the UK and with dogs in mind. And I think when you are thinking of a Christmas gift, it's it's to bear all this in mind now you know it's not to buy stuff that's been made on the other side of the world and flown in and it's got loads of hidden toxins in and all the rest of it and these things that last no time at all you know yeah and we've been thinking about that as well so the frankenball is our first toy but we've also got repair kits now for people who like to make and want to cut out things and make their own toys um, if they do break and we've also developed some new toys that are going to come out next year the ab scraps and we're also working with uh, we're based here in south end and quite close to leon c so we're working with um used rope as well which is something yeah, another off there. yeah another kind of um waste product from the fishing industry so we're kind of really thinking about uh how to utilize um yeah these these kind of waste materials these forgotten materials because that's the great thing about the frankenball like you said you know doggos doggos kind of see with their teeth and their mouths don't mm -hmm. they so we yeah. always want to like include lots of different textures from these recycled materials um sustainable. I love this oh gosh well look please stay in touch look as soon as it, I love the idea of recycled rope that sounds like a prudence product actually <laughs> yeah <laughs>
And um, I know she's, that could be really exciting because, you know, for Valentine's Day, we want to do gifting for doggos. I think you're inspired and, um, you know, and I love the sound of wolf as well. And you've also got a Shih Tzu. Yeah, Polly, she's my assistant's dog uh, for, yeah, my medical issues. Um, So she's very sweet and comes with me everywhere. Oh, gosh, I mean, dogs are just the best, you know, and I I love it with firms and people that are enthusiastic about doing better for them, you know, because I think we can all do better. You know, someone said to me a long time ago, there's always room for improvement. And what you're doing is kind of shining a light on how with innovation, we can make playing with our dog and, you know, not only more fun, artistic, creative, but sustainable. Yeah, absolutely. What's your yeah. website, girls? Uh, www.dogear.uk. And we're on Instagram as well. Yeah, as which is dogear.uk. Dogear.uk. Thank you so much. And please keep up this inspirational work. I'm a massive fan and my fruit bowl is so enhanced. <laughs> I want to see some photos. <laughs> okay. Like yeah, you can have the photos. I'm not making it up. Thank you so much. Thank, Thank you, you so much. Not all the gifts that we're talking about are for dogs. There are some great gift ideas for pet parents too. And one of my favorites is is a reprinted copy of the iconic book called A Dog Day. So I spoke to the publisher, Kayla Singleton. Hi, Anna. Thank you so much for having me on. I'm thrilled to be here. Well, gosh, I mean, we have actually spoken once before on Radio London when you joined Joe Good and I to talk about (laughs) the most amazing little book, that um, your publishing company has had the foresight to republish again from the original version that was first printed 120 years ago. Am I right? Yeah, 1902. It's wild that that just books so old can really, you know, still find an audience today. I think that's, it's such a remarkable book that it can still have the magic and the charm um, that it that it uh, had over a hundred years ago. Um, so yeah, I was thrilled to find this in our backlist archives. It's one of those sort of dreams of a of an editor and a publisher to look through things that you know some of it's old gold, some of it's just old. But this is definitely uh, in the, in the former category. Because it's such a unique little book, in so much as it really is just pictures, isn't it? It's like a diary. Uh, written by a dog through one typical day of his life. It it is, and it it feels sort of I, I I describe it as Twitter, a dog on Twitter, but it's it's more than that. It's really just a diary, uh, observations, everything that he goes through in a single day. Um, and I thought I feel like it's a very forward thinking, very modern format for a story. Um, but it it's. It's really, I, I don't know, it has the humor and the sort of light touch, the little jokes that um, are clean humor. And I think it's really a, one of the strengths of the book that it, um, that it can appeal to like children and adults. Well, no, it's just so brilliant. And it's so on, on message really at the moment, because, you know, we know that dog ownership has boomed, you know, since the pandemic. And what this really reminds us, I think, is that 
dogs haven't changed. 120 years ago, dogs were the same as they are now. <laughs> you know, and I think that's that's interesting for me because I, I'm mad about dogs, obviously. But, you, so know, you know, yeah, oh, no, you've got to be, haven't you? And they are man's <laughs> best friend. You know, but interestingly, I really think us humans have shifted so much since 1902. I mean, gosh, it's been two world wars. I mean, goodness knows, space travel, televisions, telephones even maybe, I don't know. Such a massive period of time, yet the dog is a constant. And I think we need to be reminded that dogs are dogs. And this book <laughs> certainly does that. And it, oh, it just fills me with joy. I think that's, it's so insightful, like what you've said, because reading the book, there are some elements that feel, um, you know, not dated, but it, it is a completely different world where it has a, you know, a house full of different, of uh, domestic staff and the living arrangement where there's an elderly relative living and the whole family is under one roof. Uh, some people still li live like that, but I think for most people, it, it feels like a, a completely different era, but what the dog gets up to, you get, you, you look at it and you read, you read what he's going through and you think, oh, this is this is a dog. This is a dog today. It's this is what dog ownership is like, um, maybe without as many scullery maids and uh, rich food at lunch. But a dog is still a dog and still delightful and still mischievous. And there's still this, um, you know, it, it, it's it's so refreshing, I think, to just have something that feels like it's it's good, clean humor, good, clean fun. But you also see in it. Um, what what we really do love about dogs still i know they, they are they're they're universal and they're they're i mean man's best friend as you've said yeah and i think they really keep us grounded you know they are for me i think an antidote to all of this digital life you know getting out you know for a long dog walk you clear your head i'll, I'll never i have my iphone with me in case of an emergency but i'll never use it never take a call or or whatever when i'm with my dogs it's like time away so I feel they're an antidote for so many of these new stresses that we have to deal with I think but I think the crowning glory of the book is the illustrations isn't it and um, explain who illustrated this terrier and do we know the name of the terrier and who he was we don't know who the terrier was but it's um so the book is pictured by Cecil Alden um as they say uh, that's how they described illustrators back then. Um, and Cecil Alden, I wasn't really aware of how famous he was during his um, his time, but he was this just sort of the pillar of uh, animal illustration, especially dogs. And he's just really well known for all of his amazing, really characterful um, depictions of all different types of dogs. But this one in A Dog Day is a, a terrier who's not, the name isn't known, but... Um, I, I I wouldn't even dare to give him a name. I feel like he's sort of every dog. Um, and <laughs> I, I just, I, one of the things that we found recently is that we actually have more of Cecil Alden's work on our backlist. And so I'm just really excited to hopefully bring more of it back into print because really just um, he he was such an important depictor of, of dogs uh, in the 20th century. Without doubt, without doubt. I mean, he he obviously loved dogs. I mean, the movement he captures, and these are just still illustrations, but they're like they're moving, aren't they? You know, the detail of the head turns and 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 you know, I just I just love it. I mean, this one one bit where <laughs> the terrier 
has eaten a bit of salmon and mayonnaise, hasn't he, for lunch. <laughs> he's scavenged. He's been really naughty. And so he goes, um, it was so funny, a windfall, a whole dish of mayonnaise fish on a slab in the hall. Before you can say Jack Robinson, I've bolted it. Curious <laughs> pains in my underneath. Pains <laughs> in my underneath getting worse. Horrid feel. so 134, horrid feeling of sickness. <laughs> One thirty-five. rush up to Aunt Brown's room and I'm sick there. It's it's like just the amazing resourcefulness of this of this terrier in, in the sense that he manages to do everything to annoy sort of everyone. Um, That's a terrier. But... I mean, that is what they do. <laughs> I mean, this is, you know, I mean, this reminds me of my own dog, you know, terriers are monkeys. They, that's what they should be like, you know? So almost it's like, if you're thinking about getting a terrier, fox terrier, or, you know, smooth or white or, or Westie or a bull terrier or any terrier, Jack Russell Parsons, maybe read this book first. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. I am. Um, I've always had Labradors. So I, uh, I've been spared uh, some of the, the sort of the more eccentric uh, aspects of terriers. But yeah, this is uh, definitely, it, it's illuminating to their to their true nature. But that's it, what you love about them, right? They're, they're mischievous. They, they get into all sorts of trouble. <laughs> yeah. And then there's some important messages in the book as well, you know, so it's educational. I mean, I love the fact that at two, from 2 p.m. to 3.15, attempt to kill fur rug in back room. No good. 3.15 to 3.45, sulked. 3.46, <laughs> small boy comes in and strokes me. I snap at him. I will not be everyone's plaything. <laughs> so that's a I message, you know. Uh, you know, obviously this terrier didn't, you know, hate children, but he wanted to be on his own. He was in a mood um, and get over the fact you know, he couldn't kill this fur rug. So that's an important message, you know, for children around dogs as well. Yeah, absolutely. I think especially... Um with all these pandemic dogs, a lot of people didn't realize what they were getting into. And I think it is really important to do as much research as possible, whether it's reading nonfiction books about uh, different different breeds or reading fiction like a dog day um, to, to really get a sense of what it is like to have a dog because it, it's just, it's it's so sad when people expect to have one thing and they really, they go out of their way to adopt a dog or buy a dog. And then it's just not, it doesn't really, the reality is not uh, their expectation. And it's not that the dog is bad or that they're bad people, but they just weren't, they didn't have the right information to really understand what it's like. Um, so I, I just, I really do think it is so important to know what you're getting into. <laughs> yeah. And understanding their natural instincts. So by 6.15 in the evening, stalked a kitten in the kitchen passage. The other little cowards ran away. Things are looking brighter. Helped a mouse escape from cat. <laughs> I love that one. <laughs> and and the the sort of the interplay between uh the cats and the kitten, the, the cat and the kittens, uh and, and the and the terrier throughout the book, it's just so so spot on when it comes to the whole age-old rivalry between cats and dogs. Um and it's really captured um in, in just the way that <laughs> that the terrier doesn't really doesn't really understand that you know anything could be wrong from with its behavior. It's the cat that's evil, or the cat that is a uh, that's acting in a bad way. It doesn't play fair with its claws during fights. Um, it's really 
it's so cute (laughs) exactly no absolutely so you know that's all a great education I think as well you know I've got a cat actually and you know at times you know there has to be quite strict management going on (laughs) in my flat you know to keep everything calm oh no Kayla I love it and of course in a way you've got well, for me, one of the greatest compliments ever on the front cover with a quote from Jilly Cooper herself, you know, one of my favourite books of all time, adorable. I love that. I think that gives it its total seal of global appeal. <laughs> oh, I know. If Jilly loves it, I, I mean, it cannot do any wrong. Um, And we, we sent a copy, a couple of copies of the new edition to her and she wrote back a really kind note, just sort of reiterating how much she loves the book. So I, I'm really pleased that we could just have her quote on the cover and really just use use her her words um, to help get the get the word out about this book and uh, bring so much joy to so many so many people. Oh no, it's brilliant, and it's it's a small book, little hardback, beautiful and perfect for Christmas stocking filler. I'd say, Kayla, um, I'm lucky to have one already, but if I didn't, I would want one. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thank you so much, Anna. Yeah, we're thrilled, and we really hope it gets to people. Um, for Christmas dog lovers um, all, all around the country. Oh, no, just remind us where they can buy it um, online. And it's the Souvenir Press, isn't it? Yeah, so it's Souvenir Press, which is an imprint of Profile Books. Um, so you can buy it from the Profile Books website, um, profilebooks.com, um, or on any online retailer of your choice, or in bookshops as well. Um, so shop, uh, I'm not sure if the, uh, every independent will have it, but I know that uh, Waterstones will be stocking it and yeah, definitely available online. Gosh, it really is a book not to be missed. Everyone that's a dog lover has got to have this on their shelves. <laughs> Kayla, thank you so much. And please stay in touch with any more dog related Cecil Alden pieces, books rather that you reprint. I'd love to see them all. I absolutely will. Anna. thank you so much for having me. I will make sure you get a copy of everything that that we uh, reissue from Cecil Alden. Hurrah! Hey, Anna. Yes, Mike? I'm going to get that book. That sounded really good. I like that book. Oh, the book. Okay. Just look at the pictures. I might not read it. I just look at the pictures. Well, it is just pictures. That's the thing. And it's just a little diary <laughs> note. Right, it suits me. I know, exactly. Yeah, lovely, lovely. It is. Anyway, other than toys and books uh there's got to be some food in the show don't you think there has to be you know it is your biggest resource with dogs from a training point of view and i am a nutritionist so we must talk about food well we should then have a chat with our good mates at paleo ridge and i think you did didn't you yes i did i caught up with both esther logue and will green at the london vet show the other day just to catch up on their new essentials range and, of course, to see if they've got their special Christmas dinner. Hi, Anna. Oh, we're at the London Vet Show. Yep. It's been an amazing day already. Um, We've been here since 10 o'clock this morning um, supporting the RFES, so the Royal Feeding Veterinary Society, um, and had an amazing response from so many people. So it's been a really, a really positive day. It's great to see, actually, you yeah. know, in, in particularly in this environment. And I have to say, yes, it was really, really busy and wonderful. But, you know, for our Christmas little roundup, isn't it important to make sure that your four-legged friend has a decent Christmas dinner? Absolutely. I mean, we all love our Christmas dinners, don't we? So it's only fair that they get one as well. So we've actually got at Paleo Ridge our classic Christmas. 
So it's the third year that we've actually bought out this Christmas product. The last two years it's sold out completely before December. Um, so this year we have made double what we made last year and it is just selling out so quickly. So the meal itself is pheasant, lamb tripe and turkey. So it's a nice festive mix in there. 500 grams and £3.79. Gosh, that's really reasonable, actually. That's brilliant. Yeah. And I love the festive packaging on it, too. Very classy. So, yeah, well, we want it to be we want it to be in line with um, Paleo Ridge's uh, brand, um, which I think it is. But it also has that festive twist to it as well, which is really nice. And again, you know, in line with all of our other products, it's all natural, no additives. Um, so it's exactly what it says on the pack. Oh, brilliant. Well... Everyone knows where Paleo Ridge is and you can tune back to back episodes to find out more about Paleo. But for me, Christmas wouldn't be complete without Paleo Ridge. Oh, thanks, Anna. <laughs> so I'm a massive fan of dogs having toys, especially toys that don't squeak. So imagine how excited I was to find out about a new range called Frog. They don't squeak and they're super sustainable. And that's why we're having a great chat with the product training specialist, Ashley Hunter, on the new range called Frog. Frog, there is an entire range of toys, depending on what you want from them, um, to tailor to each dog. Um, it The main thing about it is that it is 100% natural rubber. Um, and what that means is it's really, really strong. It's really, really pliable. So your dogs can get a really good bite on it and it, it could withstand um, most dogs. Um, <laughs> <laughs> not all, yeah. but but most, absolutely. Yeah, yeah you um, can't say anything's indestructible. That is for <laughs> sure. We need to put that disclaimer in, I think. But but looking at the range, you, you've come up with some really innovative shapes. I mean, you've got one that is a frog, which I just adore. That to me, you know, is one that you'd put lots of delicious foods in, you know, stick them in, make it very difficult for the dog to release the, the food treats and keep them busy, you know, for ages. And then they just collapse and settle beside you as you record a podcast. Yes, it is. Um, feeding toys are a great way to engage a dog in in a toy. Um, and as you said, just make them kind of last that that little bit longer and, and kind of keep them interested for a little bit longer. So most of the range, there is one tug toy, but the rest of them are designed to put lots of treats in them to um, to keep them interested. Also, the shape of them is designed so that you can kind of if you're throwing them about, then they don't necessarily go where you expect them to go. So it keeps it really interesting when you're playing with the dog. Oh, absolutely. But you've got to be careful indoors, really. Or, you know, some of, uh, you know, in, particularly at Christmas, if you're visiting friends and, you know, a piece of Royal Dalton China accidentally gets knocked <laughs> off a mantelpiece or something. I only talk from experience here. But it's also about encouraging owners to play with their dogs, isn't it, as well, Ashley? Yeah, it's about sort of being part of that engagement with them. You know, it's toys shouldn't be about just giving it to them and, and letting them go off with it it's it's yeah about in, engaging them with you so that's what we kind of have, have hopefully managed to do with with the range of options we have and I really love the sustainable angle you know with the rubber because well obviously everyone's um on that page at the moment where does it does rubber come from a tree actually I'm not actually even sure yeah so it's um tapped from a tree and then it is slowly air dried. So you collect effectively the rubber from the tree and then um, you hang it up, air dry it. We um, add a safe colorant to it. 
so that it's that bright red color so you don't lose them in the grass but the trees that we grow for frog they are specifically grown to create that natural rubber so it's about helping to protect the habitats from deforestation it's about that you know purposely farmed for this reason um natural rubber is much much stronger as well as being better for the environment and it also means that when they do come to the end of their life they can be recycled and, and turned into something else whereas if you've got toys that are using sort of fillers or um, calcium probably being the main one that goes into rubber toys to make them harder, then you have to, you know, just throw them away when you're done with them. Whereas when you use a natural product, it means that you can recycle it at the end of its life as well. Well, that's brilliant. But I, I also suppose as well, it's about, you know, because, you know, it's a bit like plastic drinking bowls for example plastic chemicals can leach into the water and then the dog's drinking the water and you know the chemicals go into the dog's body the same is true isn't it with with chews that they're chewing so I assume if it's all natural there's no nasties in this no not at all it is literally just the rubber and then like I said that that safe colorant just to make sure that you can spot it easily. And no are. squeaks and no squeaks. <laughs> no squeaks. It will be a very, very peaceful Christmas for everyone if they get one of these, which I'm sure they'll be pleased to hear. Yeah. So um, where can people find out more, Ashley? Um, so there is a frog website. So it's frogpets.com. Um, there is actually a really good video on there which shows you how rubber is made because I think it's something that you just don't know about necessarily um so it shows that air drying process and where it comes from and it shows our different ranges yeah no it's a really it's a really engaging site actually I urge everyone to check it out and it's one sure way to keep your dogs enriched this Christmas and uh, busy while you're having your Christmas dinner absolutely thank you Ashley well I hope you'll come back and talk some more in the new year yeah I'd love to it's a really really exciting product for us That's our show, Mr. Binks. What did you think? Ha ha, yes, well, it all depends. Have you been a good boy to get all those goodies? What's that? Yes, you're right. It is time for Woof of the Week. <coughs> Christmas is a time for the family to celebrate. And of course, that means including your dog. But please be aware of some of the hazards from mince pies to Christmas trees and even to wrapping paper. <coughs> Well, I hope you all enjoyed it. If you did, please rate and review the show wherever you tune into your podcasts. Thanks to everyone who's joined us today and all the links are in the show notes. Thanks, of course, to Mike Hansen for all the music and production as ever. Find out more about him and his company at Pod People UK. And for me, I'm just at Anna Webb Dogs. What's that, Mr. Binks? Yes, we will be back in your feed next Sunday. So if you haven't subscribed already, go on. It's free. And that way you'll never miss another show. What's that, Binks? Oh, yes, there is our new Patreon site, which allows you to upgrade and receive special material that is recorded just for Patreon. Or what you could do is just give us a little tip if you like what you hear. Either way, we'll be back in your feed next week. Bye for now. Bye.